new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to another edition of the Sunday Side Session. We didn't get one in for the Minnesota game with that one starting on a Thursday and just kind of some wonkiness with Labor Day weekend. But we figured why not bring the Sunday Side Session back for the Colorado game. And oh boy, was that a great idea. Nebraska loses 36-14 to Colorado, a score that both somehow feels inaccurate because it was further than the 22 points and at times closer than the 22 point margin but that's just sort of where nebraska football is in 2023 and to help me mike Schaefer, dissect this loss to colorado caleb henry from klin joins us and the husker friday tailgate show one of the one of the cohorts that i have there also, the, the guy who benefits when Brian Buscini punts the ball well, which we'll, we'll have that discussion here oh. a little bit. Caleb, real quickly, where were you at before the game um, with Nebraska's chances in this one? And then how do you sort of feel about what you saw on Saturday? The floor is yours. Uh, before the game, I, I had felt like it matched up well for Nebraska for what we thought based on week one what Colorado had dealt with with TCU and what Nebraska had dealt with with Minnesota that Nebraska could out physical Colorado if they could take care of the football that's number one not turn it over I know we'll get to that but not turn it over run the ball 70 80 percent of your game plan and just burn a lot of clock the defense to me was going to match up well and be able to get stops. Would they be able to get any takeaways? Those would just be butter. Those would be butter on it. But could Nebraska just consistently run the ball and take care of the line of scrimmage? I thought that matched up really, really well for Nebraska. What we saw happen was, oh, Nebraska did match up really, really well on both sides of the ball. They were able to stop Colorado's offense. They were able to run the ball, burn a bunch of clock, burned five minutes off the clock to start the game, but then didn't take care of the ball. Had had a fumble immediately. And so when you started to see things slide because of the turnovers, that's where the game began to get out of hand in Colorado, played with a lot more energy from there on, and Nebraska was just kind of dead in the water. So before the game, things matched up well, but you have to take care of the ball as the game went on. Nebraska didn't take care of the ball. 
and that kind of causes everything else to fall apart. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty succinctly put. I I look at this sort of game, and uh, a lot of it to me, like it's it's kind of just baffling. Like it for most of it, it felt like. Nebraska's defense played better and yet they're the ones giving up 36 points they're the mm-hmm. ones that couldn't you know until sort of a gift wrap fumble at the very end couldn't get a get, get a takeaway um and it it feels like the theme Caleb and, and feel free to, to go completely against this it feels <laughs> like the theme of these two games besides the turnovers turnovers are a huge part of it but they're not everything they're a a lot they really are but the other key portion of this to me is something that I feel like has kind of been a problem for Nebraska for a while now. You don't have enough guys that make plays. You have mm-hmm. guys that can do like little things. You have guys that can help here and there. You have guys that can come through at times. But like when Nebraska needed critical plays on offense, when they did catch the snap, when they could run the actual play, I mean, I, I go back to Thomas Fedoni. You have that one right over the middle. Like, I know he, he gets up and he has a huge chunk of turf in his helmet, and it's always funny uh, when when you see that. But, you know, you keep a drive moving right there. You make that catch. Mm-hmm. Alex Boy, on again, it's, it, it's amazing for as few times as Jeff Sims actually throws the ball and the few times when it actually looks good, it seems to occur on plays where guys can't bring the ball in. And – Alex Bullock gets hit right there in the hands for what should be an easy first down catch. That's why you're on the field. You did everything right to that point. You put yourself in that position. Go catch the damn ball. Like what in the world? Yeah, you're right because it's, we're going to rightfully so be tough on the quarterback Yeah, because like, if you can't catch a snap and it's hitting you. And we're getting to that. I promise. Like, 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 who want us to tar and feather and run them out of town. Right. Um, like, like those, those are things. And by the way, immediately before he threw the interception, I turned to my wife and I said, he's going to press this right now. And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, <laughs> I was like okay, so we're, we're, we're in different places as I watch this game and you're kind of up and moving around, but he's not really getting help from his receivers. Like who's going and making yeah. you, you saw, what, Kemp there, and Washington like, had two nice sideline catches. That's, yeah, like like that's you, the you extent had, you, of the passing game right there. Yeah, you, like no one's going through and just making consistently really good catches and then making guys miss. Like or like, getting open. Yeah, that, that's the biggest thing is guys aren't really getting open, and then if they do get a sliver of open or if Sims actually throws them open, they're not catching the ball, so he's not getting any help. I understand a little bit that he starts to press, but he also presses in moments that you can't where like the wheels are coming off at that moment. Like those are the types of things where it's like, Oh, it's too big now. So yeah, he like, he's not getting help or the quarterback at all. Isn't necessarily getting help. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. And, and I want to, I want to get into Sims in a little bit, but it, it, it's like all the way down the line. Like I, I'm still dumbfounded, and, and maybe I'm being unfair, and I, I really like Brian Buccini, and I look back at my tweet yesterday, and I kind of regretted it because I feel like I went a little bit hard. And these are college kids, and you have to keep that in mind. But this is a guy that you need to be able to rely on in these situations to at least clean the slate a little bit. And in a game in which he had, I think, three punting opportunities to kind of help flip the field, all three of them were either like 
merely okay or outright bad, including the one right before half that allows him to tackle. You know, everyone's mad again about just Sims running out of bounds. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, you don't want the clock to stop in that situation. You want them to use their timeouts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People are going to point back to that as to one second and three points. Fine. I'm going to point at the punt that went 26 yards from the middle of the field where you have an opportunity to put them at the 15. And after two plays, they might just be like, you know what? We're going into half. We're up here. It's 10 nothing. We feel good about it. Yada, yada, yada. Again, Nebraska didn't lose by three points. Not the biggest thing in the world. But why, Caleb, does it feel like every week, every week, there's something about this team that just can't get right? Like, I think I probably went overboard last Thursday thinking the special teams had largely been fixed because, of course, Nebraska plays their second game and nothing about the special teams is good. Not a single thing about it was good. Nothing. Yeah, like, you. I, it's amazing to me in <laughs> in some of these respects. Like you yeah, can't hang your hat on a single thing with this program. No, no, there, there, there's there's nothing. Even though they, I believe the defense leads the nation in sacks. <laughs> <laughs> they had seven sacks yesterday. They seven. had they had the most sacks since the two thousand nine Big Twelve championship yeah, game, and it did not matter. No, not one bit. <laughs> because they could get to second and 25 and they could get to third and 17 and then the completion would come the back down the distance did not matter. matter yeah it, it it was wild to me how little the sacks affected a game because conversely if nebraska football on offense ever gets sacked seven times you know that's a game that they're gonna lose <laughs> uh yeah, real, real quick on on the special teams you're you're right it, it's you saw how how good Brian Buscini could be in a Big Ten West game. Yeah. Or in this case, you wanted to Big Ten Westify this game, and you did early. But he averaged 35 yards a punt. Now, that's good if your drives all stall at the 50. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But when you average 35 yards a punt and none of them go inside the 20 because you're constantly backed up because their punter is punting from midfield and making you start at the five or the 10 or just anywhere. Like, even if you are starting at your own 20, like you're backed up and you go three and out and then you punt 35 yards. Well, they're already at midfield again. Yep. And it wasn't just the, the punting on special teams. There was, there wasn't a play made on, on any of it. And I realized like for the punt return, there wasn't really an opportunity, Sure. but on kickoff return, there was among the many unsportsmanlike conducts that Colorado racked up, one of them pushed their kickoff back 15 yards. Well, I and I realized that ball landed, what, about the five? And then they just let it go into the end zone? Well, you catch that. Those guys are still 15 yards further back from wow. on the start of their run. There should be a lot more space on the field. At that point, like you should have somebody just trying to make a play. That's what that's what Ramir Johnson did coming out of the locker room against Minnesota. And I thought there was less room when he went and made that. Mm-hmm. So at, at some point, special teams, stop me if you've heard this before, has to become a weapon and not just a, oh, they exist. We thought a week ago that it, it had the potential to be a weapon and something that Nebraska could change games with. We didn't see that in week two. No, and it, it's just like, and then it becomes, okay, what do you expect from week to week? And of course, if we're thinking this, 
you have to know that Matt Rule and Ed Foley are. Like, we, we went into this game feeling like we maybe had an advantage in this area. And Colorado completely outplayed them in special teams. I mean, they, they absolutely did. And so, again, like the, the hard part is when you have these sort of conversations, it's never just like one piece of Nebraska's team that caused a loss. Like it all is in totality. You didn't make enough plays on offense. On defense, despite the seven sacks, you actually gave up more conversions on third downs than you had sacks. And again, you had seven. Mm-hmm. Give up nine on third down, including the one that, you know, we never got an actual replay of again to see if it was a catch, the the Tommy Hill one. I have multiple people in, in group chats that were trying to tell me that that ball was out at the end of that catch. Um, I don't know. Just like the roughing the punter, the, the Fox broadcast, we never went back to it again. We never saw it again. And I never, I never bothered to replay it. I watched, I watched the replays on the roughing the punter. Yeah. Did someone get blocked in there? He got blocked into him. Now it wasn't like a full block. It was literally, they should have just let the guy go. And I can't remember who did it, but they turned and touched him. Ah. They gave him a little push and that's enough room to go. Oh, he was blocked into the punter, but you're right. He hits the punter. Even if he's not blocked, he is on a straight line to the punter, not in front of him. Like it is down and it's going to be rough. It's a hundred percent that Brian Buscini is getting his clock knocked off. (laughs) Like that dude is getting hitting hit. Like Brewington is coming in motion. Like there was no chance that he wasn't going to get roughed, but you had the up man turn and try to just kind of push him away. And that was enough to just go, oh, well, now he's officially been blocked into the kicker Got it. and you can't throw the flag. But you're right. It was weird on the broadcast for anyone watching on TV that it happened and you're like, oh, man, he got run over and they never went back and addressed it at all. Right. I think in the stadium, they said he got blocked into like mm-hmm. it never got mentioned on the broadcast. There was no like cut to that because he just went to commercial. Yeah, just immediately gone. Which, again, not in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal. But the theme of yesterday for me, Nebraska couldn't do the big things, make the plays when they needed to. Nebraska couldn't do the small things, just do Mm -hmm. the simple things, get lined up correctly, have the snap go off without issue, catch the snap. I can't believe we're saying that right now. And I really can't believe we're saying it about a guy with as many career games as Jeff Sims has. So I guess let's dive into the, the Jeff Sims portion of this conversation. Um, what, where are you at two games into the Jeff Sims experience? Because running a message board, we've got everything from, you know, (laughs) you got to let Matt rule play through it to, I don't care if they lose every game. I want to see Heinrich Harburg now to let's just not get to Chubba Purdy. Those are probably (laughs) the three trains of thought that are are most out there on the message board. I would say you probably have more people that are like, I don't want to see Jeff Sims play against Northern Illinois um, than you do uh, anything else. So I, I'm curious, where are you at with that conversation? Well, first of all, we don't know what he's going to be health-wise. So that that might make some of the decisions for this coaching staff. Um, I, I believe that his lower body probably, they were thinking maybe high ankle sprain, but we'll we'll find out where any of that is. Where I'm at, and of course the the backup quarterback is everyone's favorite, and I'll I'll particularly when it's a local local being Carney. Well, and I I coached I coached track at Carney Catholic when Heinrich Harburg was there, 
Wow, um, look at that. So I was I was on the staff when he was part of the team at Kearney Catholic that got second at state. Um, now, he wasn't in my position group. I tried to get him in my position group because you could see how athletic he was. I was a throws coach, and we needed him to run fast and jump high. <laughs> and, and you only get so many events. But So I have a – I'm already inclined to like this young man because I've known him mm. since before he got – to nebraska and i know you guys build relationships at 24 7 with guys as they're being recruited so like so, sometimes that that comes into it that out of the way i wrote about i wrote a, a piece on the mixed messaging that you're getting from this coaching staff on what accountability means anthony grant didn't see the field nope. jeff sims had has now and i'm gonna give him the turnover not gabe irvin the turnover yeah i think that's fair seven turnovers through seven full quarters he he's the the leading quarterback in fbs with with returning turnovers and they necessarily weren't bad previously just he had the most coming back but you're seeing him slide in that direction there, there there's something happening that you knew he was going to force that football towards the sideline into coverage like that interception on that play was a hundred percent inevitable he can't catch the snap right now. And in those instances, it's okay. Well, that's not even him just loosely hanging on to the ball and guys are punching it out. What, which is what happened with Anthony Grant. Sure. Like he was trying to make a play and he doesn't see the field, but Jeff Sims doesn't catch the ball multiple times. And it's not like he wasn't ready and it went off his chest or it went over his head. Like he literally just falls off of his hands. Right. And then it's on him to make sure that the snap is lined up and you have that mistimed one and it bounces off of your guy in motion and then you doink the field goal because just it feels like things are going to go wrong. You have that. You have him had him a week ago just staring down guys. Like we know he's not getting help from there. There's just not enough really skilled guys to at the very least be possession receivers. Like just catch the ball when it does get there. They're not doing that part of it. They're not getting the separation and, and being super threats, but at the very least, to catch the football, they're not doing that and helping Jeff Sims out. What he does best is run the football. He had that 57-yard run, which I'll also add that Colorado played horribly. Boy, did they go to the other side of the field and just leave it, that available. It seemed like the perfect call against the perfect defense run yes. in that situation. Like it, it felt more like that than it was – this incredible individual play. Absolutely. Now, when I see that immediately after going, man, should he even be in the game? Heinrich Harburg can do that guys. Like there's, I don't know where those two would be in a race, but I know Heinrich Harburg is one of your faster guys on the team. And that's saying something now with the speed that you brought in with the freshman. I don't know where his accuracy is because we haven't seen him on the field. We don't get a, we haven't seen a whole lot of practice. You saw him uncork one downfield. It's like, all right, he had a little bit too much on the cannon. He's got a cannon for an arm. I know that. Like huge with arm. with absolute certainty, yeah. I can tell you Heinrich Harburg has an arm. I can tell you he is athletic as hell. Yeah, oh yeah. Hey, is that, there you go. Um he's got a cannon on one shoulder, is the way we'll we'll put that then. He has got all the athleticism in the world. Why else would they put him in to go catch a football 
<laughs> against Minnesota and line up in a different position. He is one of the faster guys on the team. I don't know how much he knows the playbook, which I, yes, he's been there a few years, but I don't, I've never worked with him in that capacity to know how well he retains that type of information, how much of that he's able to get down. Those are going to, that's immediately an unknown. The accuracy. We saw him go two for six yesterday, one touchdown, both of those catches, I believe by Fedoni. <laughs> so, so there, that, that already starts to sound weird that 100% of Heinrich Harburg's completions in college have gone to Thomas Fedoni. I don't want to get to Chubba Purdy because one, they it sounded like he wasn't like he wasn't himself. He wasn't well for the game. He went in for one snap and threw an incompletion. But I saw the fear of God in Chubba Purdy a year ago. Yeah, that was but the the close up of his face for that one play also was maybe the least confidence inspiring thing that right. you've seen there. Right. And and even without the close up, you saw how happy his feet were constantly on the field. And I don't know how you coach that out of somebody when you don't have an elite offensive line in front of them like that. That's a hard thing. If you had all the protection in the world, if you had like Stanford's O-line for Andrew Luck, like you had dudes that you just knew were most likely going to keep you upright. It's easier to lose that fear. Nebraska doesn't have that. So I, I don't think you can get to Chubba Purdy. We've seen somebody be turnover prone and slip more in that direction. There are a lot of unknowns with Harburg, but he can do the things that make Jeff Sims good. So what, what aren't we seeing in practice other than Jeff Sims was brought in by this coaching staff? Like, like that, that's, that's my biggest, biggest thing with, with where the quarterback situation is, is there are so many or enough unknowns about Harburg because he hadn't seen live action in a game until Colorado when he was forced into the game because of a because of an injury because as Matt Rule said after there was never a thought about making a change until that injury from what I've seen Harburg can do all the same all the things that Sims can and we don't know about the turnovers with Sims we do know about the turnovers yeah I I think that's I think that's a fair summation of everything and the the problem is I I would have more probably grace about the Jeff Sims situation if it was the result of having to make plays. And I, I will say he is one of the few guys on the offense that seems to have the capability of making a big play. And mm -hmm. that is something that this team is, is in deep, deep need of. But I guess part of it to me, like if you're not able to catch the snap, I also just felt like – and. It's easy to say this when you're sitting on your couch with an Oktoberfest in front of you while <laughs> watching the game. The sense of urgency to grab those snaps or to dive on that ball in either situation, it just felt like, it kind of felt like when he was uh, at Minnesota, he doesn't catch that backwards pass. He's just sort of like, just kind of calmly scoops it up and makes that throw. In those situations, you see just sort of like calmly trying to reach for the ball and pick it back up and it's like just dive on it like the mm -hmm. play's dead you know protect the ball uh small thing but it just feels like they could have at least on one of those gotten the fumble back that first one especially you at least give an opportunity for tristan alvano to kick a field goal now uh, the way that field goal with the second with off luke lindenmeyer 
if they could have got that ball to bounce a little bit further back, that ball would have on the kick would have had just enough room to clear that up. They needed it. <laughs> they needed to lose more yards on the fumble off of Luke Lindemeyer. That's the irony in the whole thing. But the the Jeff Sims conversation is tough. And I think it comes down to this staff has to decide what they think gives them the best chance to win. And they have more information than everybody else. And so if they're looking at this as they like Heinrich Harburg, if they need to go to Heinrich Harburg, but Jeff Sims still gives them the best chance to win, then I'm going to take them at their word for that for now. But at some point, he has to play a clean game. If you have multiple turnovers against Northern Illinois, you're up to 10 turnovers as a team. He's up to nine or 10 himself. You just can't keep living in that fashion. Mm-hmm. I I don't understand what it is about Nebraska that seems to, to covet these sort of boomer bust type players at quarterback. Like, I, I mean, I look next door to Iowa and they have the most boring quarterbacks imaginable and you can get on them for their inability to make plays. And yet you don't have these combustible elements in every single one of your games. Uh, so I, I wonder sometimes if, if Nebraska can just find a guy who can just sort of direct traffic, if that's what they need to, to pull out of this. But in order to direct traffic, you need cars on the field that are, you know, capable of doing so. <laughs> making a really weird analogy here. But um, it's just, just everything is, is so difficult because it's all kind of tied together. Nebraska needs a playmaker, so it needs to be Jeff Sims. But Jeff Sims needs to be better with the ball. So maybe he has to rein in his, some of his playmaking instincts. Does that help? Or does that hurt in your as you try to, to go through this offense? And then right. you look at this team, and there's really nothing you need more than to show up next Saturday and have more points than the other team. It'd be great if you showed up and you have 56 points and they have six and you just run mm-hmm. away with the game. <laughs> that ain't happening. Even though Northern Illinois, coming off of their win against Boston College, struggled, I believe, uh, this past weekend. Yeah, um, they, they lost their own bye game. Yeah. So, um, you know, and Boston College barely squeaked by uh, FCS team. So whatever we want to do with that transitive property, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's in front of Nebraska right now. They have to figure out how they're going to move the ball, protect the ball, score some points. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. I I want to I want to move this forward and we'll finish with, with this kind of conversation. Now that we're two games in, Nebraska's 0-2. What is the big picture, biggest thing for Matt Rule with these remaining 10 games? Is it still you got to go six and four uh the rest of the way? You got to get to that bowl game. Is it you have to figure out how to right the ship? You have to win back the fan base. What if if you're looking at this from Matt Rule's perspective? What is the single sort of biggest thing that you can achieve as the season remains with these final 10 games? 
man, I'd love it if they made a bowl game. Like everyone would feel really good about that because that would mean you won 60% of your remaining games. Um, and, and yeah, even with two of those being what are supposed to be easier non-conference games and Northwestern in the middle of that. So that, that should be three of them right there. Right. The problem is we haven't been able to do that type of math with Nebraska for a while. So my biggest thing over these last 10 is don't look like a team that the other teams just have to wait for you to make a mistake because that that's still what this team is. Yeah. Colorado just had to wait for Nebraska to start beating Their itself. Defense didn't even have to go and get the ball. That interception is a most playmaking they had to do the entire day. Yeah. So, so for me, these last 10 games are look like a team that isn't going to just walk on the field and self-destruct at some point. Don't look like a team that is going to lose the game as opposed to you might not win, but that other team was just better and they just made more plays and maybe the offense isn't there, but the offense didn't average a turnover a quarter over the course of the game. Maybe the the defense gave up a big play here or there or special teams. They just broke one uh, because a, a guy was just phenomenal on the return. I want it to look more like the other team beat Nebraska if that's the case, whatever the number of wins are, I want it to look like the other team beat Nebraska as opposed to Nebraska did this to themselves and does not look like a team capable of winning because eventually they're going to just give it away. Yep. And it's hard to know if that version of Nebraska even exists. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that. What, what were the things you saw it last year all of the time? Granted, Guys, so many different players, completely different coaching staff, but we're used to this narrative. That's why in the Big Ten West, everyone, yeah, punting is winning. I get it <laughs> for, for Iowa, but for so many of these teams, they knew maybe pick up a first down, three and outs aren't bad because our punter is going to just continuously push them back. We'll play a little field position, and eventually Nebraska will beat themselves. And that's still the narrative that we're bringing in two games into the Matt Rule era. Yeah. Just, it's not good enough. It's just simply not good enough. And it's it's inexplicable in the sense that it just feels like it's in the fabric of the program, regardless of who is trying to uh, conduct this whole thing. Um, we'll finish We'll finish with this, this final thing. Give me a player. I, I'd like to finish with a little positivity. Even though people... <laughs> People really don't like it when you hand out game balls after Nebraska loses. But as I point out, when you've only mostly covered losing seasons uh, now in your career, I've gone over the 500 mark. I've covered more losing seasons than I have winning seasons. I've yet to, to, to tally up if I've covered more losses and wins. I don't know that I want that smoke. I've, I have not. I got here in 2019. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it could turn around. Could turn around. <laughs> There's a lot of room I got to make up. Yeah. Give me, uh, give me a player, a thing that you leave from Saturday thinking, okay, at least there's that. Oh, I will go with. Now, oh man, this part is tough because I think there's a lot of guys that actually played well on the defensive side of the ball. But I'll, I'll go with Gabe Irvin okay. because what because he had a career high number of carries in the first half. Um. He he never, he, he never. Well, he did have a, a decent run, um, 
in there. Uh, I think he ran for 20-some yards at one point. But but he had double-digit carries, and that was something that I wanted to see coming into the game, and some people were concerned about, well, can he even handle double-digit carries? What can this offense look like? They're, they're just never going to have a bell cow back. I liked seeing that from Gabe Irvin. I liked how to start the game, you went, it was like a four-yard run that started the drive. Next drive, four-yard run starts the drive. Then the next one, it was like, oh, that's seven or eight. And then he busted busted that one, and it was like, okay, this is a guy who every time he's getting on the field is getting a little bit stronger. Eventually, Nebraska just got too far behind to be able to stick with that type of a game plan. But I think what we saw from Gabe Urban is that there is the potential there for him being on the field to continue to to be the guy who just gets the ball and gets stronger as that offensive line starts to lean on the on the D line. Now Nebraska is going to face a lot tougher defensive lines as the season goes on than what Colorado's was. But I liked Gabe Irvin having that opportunity in front of him and just saying he's going to take care of the ball. He's going to run into a couple of guys for a couple yards, and he's going to make a couple of guys miss at times to pick up a few more. I liked seeing that out of Gabe. Yep. I feel. And it's, it's, I don't think it's been lost in the first two games. It's just not part of the story because of the way the first two games have gone. I feel like Nebraska is deeper on defense across the board at all three levels than at any point I can remember in the last five years, Mm -hmm. six years. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe 2016, maybe, uh, certainly you get into the boat Blaney era. You, you get deeper, uh, with, with some of the guys on defense. But, you know, Makai Bayer had a tremendous game yesterday. It was mostly a first-half game. It felt like that's kind of when when you saw more of it. But he stuck Dylan Edwards for a loss on a catch short of the sticks on one of the few times they won on third down. He had, I think, three other tackles around the line of scrimmage. And that's one of your linebackers. Just mm-hmm. one. You have Luke Reimer who's playing well. Nick Hendricks came back and had two sacks. I don't know that he had two sacks in his career leading up to today's or yesterday's game. Uh, you have Jamari Butler came back and got a sack. MJ Sherman still getting involved in things. They're excited about Eric Fields. This is all at your linebacker spot. They, uh, you know, you go up front. Riley Van Poppel, a guy that I have like as much as any recruit I think that I have covered in in at least recent memory. I would bet would be a safe contributor at some point in his career. Terrence Knighton already has that guy ready to contribute as a freshman. Terrence mm-hmm. Knighton has several Nebraska defensive players ready to contribute as freshmen. He's gotten good performances out of Blaze Gunnarsson, Nash Hotmacher, Ty Robinson. So you have that up front. And then on the back end, we know that you have multiple defensive backs that they feel good about and that they're playing reasonably well. They didn't have a great game yesterday. And I still think if there's a bugaboo about this defense, it's that I don't know if you can be a great defense if you don't have enough instances of getting your hand on the ball of you know creating sort of uh flash plays in that regard they're very they're tackling aside from late in that game when it felt like maybe they were a little bit gassed or a little bit you know disinterested isn't the word i want to say but it's hard to stay at a high level when you're getting no help from the other phases mm-hmm. and uh so they're they're not perfect and they're not you know this isn't a top 10 defense in the country but the upside and the depth of this defense should make Nebraska fans feel pretty good because you're two games in. And I, I really do believe, and I can hear people chuckling as you say this, Nebraska's best football is ahead of it. 
So if they can build on that, especially defensively, it feels like as you get into those, especially that month of October, where I think at this point you have to go perfect, you're going to have any chance of going to a bowl game. You have to beat Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue. you got to win all three of those games. You get two of them at home. You get Illinois on the road on Friday. You need that defense playing at a high level. And the nice thing is someone goes down, they've got that next man up mentality already. Mm -hmm. I, there is no, maybe save for Quentin Newsom, who I thought played pretty well yesterday because, again, the team stayed away from him for the most part. Uh, there may be no irreplaceable part on that defense either. And so I think Tony White, in short order, the assistant coaches in short order, have really utilized Nebraska's talent. Now, maybe that's a product of Minnesota and Colorado, but guess what? <laughs> Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech aren't better than those teams. So Nebraska's defense should still look pretty good. Michigan coming to town in three weeks? We can rehab that conversation. Yep. <laughs> but if you're looking for anything to feel good about, and I know some of you out there are just searching, you're looking for one reason to feel okay this morning. Nebraska's defensive depth is a reflection of where this program can head. The offense, very, very, very much a work in progress. The defense, pretty quickly, you feel okay about. And, you know, in the Big Ten West, an okay defense can do a lot for you because you're generally not facing <laughs> great offenses. So I, if, I if the offense takes care of the ball, the defense will keep Nebraska in a game they shouldn't yeah. be in later this year. They should be playing games in the 20s almost the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Michigan maybe being one of the, the exceptions. But there's not like a lot of super explosive offenses on this schedule, which plays to what Nebraska wants to do. But you can't have sequences like you did in the first half of this game where you fumble. You, I mean, you, you fumble. You miss a field goal. You get a stop. You immediately fumble and give them the ball on your side of the field. You immediately throw an interception and you give them the ball again on your side of the field. Like, you just can't have those. Like, if, if you're having to play this where it's a premium possession game, your offense has to, to hold up its part of the premium. Mm -hmm. The defense did really well in a key stretch of that game. And I, I felt like Sean Lewis and Colorado adjusted in the second half. But I also feel like the will of Nebraska's defense got broken there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, they... They had a chance. They had it to third and and whatever it was on the on the throw along the sideline that beat Tommy Hill. And maybe if you get off the field there and it's thirteen to seven, we could be having a different conversation. But they're not perfect. But this defense has come a long way in a short order, in my opinion. All right, Caleb. Uh, anything anything else you want to say? Any um, any closing thoughts here? I'm interested to hear from Matt Rule on Monday. I'm interested to 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 know where the quarterback situation is. Um, if I can't be there, I hope somebody does ask how big is that gap between one and two in the quarterback room? Uh, because I think most of us can agree there have been there are plenty of other places that this team could have gone through the first through the first two games, but I think the first two two losses of the season, the Matt Rule era so much of it can be pointed back to the quarterback position because of the miscues, because of the turnover. So I'm interested, turnover to, says it, says I'm, I'm interested to see, see where that room is at going into what are supposed to be your, your two, your two outside of Northwestern, your two most winnable games on the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the quest back to 500 starts <laughs> with Northern Illinois on Saturday. And by no means is that a gimme. Caleb, appreciate you coming on the Sunday side session. We're excited to be back this year. 
everybody that uh, you know wants more, more Husker 24-7 content, you can go to Husker247.com. Husker 24-7 members, if you're upset about things, if you're upset about me, if you're upset about predictions and the media and everything else, there is a thread for you. It's called Schaefer Pinata. You can just go in there and get your hacks in. Swing away. Take all the swings you want. You know, it could be cathartic for you. I know it has been for several other people. Uh, so you have that at Husker 24-7. And, of course, a bunch of coverage. Brunson, BC, we're out there. They've already got stuff going up here on Sunday morning. So check out all of that. We'll be back with more podcast content this week. Because even though Nebraska doesn't win games, we're still giving you all the content you could want about your favorite team. We'll catch you later. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.